called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. So I, I actually I put a I put a few hours in on um, Detroit. Yeah. And I loved it, and mm-hmm. it was just so emotionally affecting that I had to take a break and I haven't gone back to it yet because it was fucking like it's like it's really <laughs> it was like stressful was and it was like emotionally affecting me. Detroit become human. Yeah. It got me screaming at the TV a couple of times. I was like, what? <laughs> I know, totally, totally. I don't know why I diss that game. I'm I'm such an idiot. It's totally mm-hmm. up my alley both thematically and I love, you know, adventure point and click slash walking simulators. Like it's, it's, yeah. you know, but, but what's funny is, uh, the, uh, and we'll do sort of a soft intro into the podcast here is that I'm, I'm, you know, I, I did pretty much what I think everyone would do with, um, who's the main guy? Connor. Con- no, not Connor. Or Marcus. 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 I did pretty much. Yeah, Marcus was going to get shot no matter what and thrown in the pit with the robots. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, no matter what, I'm horrible with the uh, investigatory. Uh, uh, oh, of Connor. Connor. The detective but stuff. I'm, I'm amazing because <laughs> I, you know me. I always play female characters, and that's just sort of my personality. Is uh-huh. like I'm nailing it with Kara. Yeah. You know, like oh I was like, God. I'm Cara gonna protect this girl. I'm gonna protect this girl <laughs> no matter what. Like I don't yeah. care about you know the fucking you know police force or whatever that's using me to investigate this. Like fuck the. I'm gonna protect this girl. And so so far I'm doing amazingly with Kara. I'm doing horribly yeah. with Connor, and I think I'm doing with Marcus. Whatever you know, you're gonna get thrown in the pit and hate humanity and want to rebel against <laughs> them or whatever. And that's where I'm at. And I love the scene where you're climbing out of the pit and you're like, you've got all these robots who are half alive or, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, it's uh, it's it's a great combination. You know, I, I think part of the reason I, I was initially turned off was I was like, oh, this is just another Blade Runner or Terminator, but it really does its own spin on it. Um, yeah. And uh, it's very dark and like it really touches on like um like one time only deaths and stuff like that like yeah everybody is just yeah like, permadeath stuff yeah. yeah yeah just and not, i get shaky when I talk about this yeah and, and, and i I, I do like the feature um that and by the way bizzlecast listeners welcome to the uh awkward controllers here with me and austin we're trying to make this happen over bad internet connection talking about detroit become human which i dissed stupidly uh because i thought oh. i was too snobby and good for it but i love fucking ai stories like ex machina and her and you know Blade Runner and so forth and so I fucking love it um, and uh, it, 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 I like that they show you the, the branching trees but to be honest man I've started yeah. skipping past it because I just want to play my game 
It's like yeah. The Witcher story. Yeah, well, it's like Uncle. The Witcher. Like you don't realize when you're playing The Witcher three, like you know how many decisions you make completely change things that happen later on in it. And this shows you it in like almost a mathematical way, which I think is cool. But I almost don't want to see it because I just want to get to the next scene, you know, and just see what's going on. Did you did you make your uh, uh your yourself? Uh, through the whole uh, campaign without spoilers. Oh uh, yeah, I did. I made sure to stay away from like other um people playing it. Uh, roughly, and, like, how long is it w- without spoilers? Roughly, how how long is uh, a, a playthrough of it? Because so far, it's it's very gripping. I just uh, ran out of time and had to deal with other things, but I'm I'm planning yeah. on getting through it. You might have about like thirty hours. Oh wow, of like that's the main awesome! Story. That's extremely like, impressive. It's replayable. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of replayability too because of different endings. Well, even like if there's no replayability, thirty hours for a, you know a point and click adventure game of any generation is is very impressive. Because I I listened back to our podcast, man, and I I was totally dissing David Cage and like the whole fucking thing, and now that I play it. You know, I, I, I really dig what's going on. It's very affecting. Uh, I think it's very real. Um, it's, it's very pertinent to what's going on. Um, and, uh, and the characters are, are great. I mean, the, the, yeah. the three main characters are all awesome. Here's what's interesting, man, is you know how early on they sort of tell you who your main character is? Yeah. They knew my main character was Kara, even though I specifically wanted to be focused on Kara and the female character in the storyline. It like sussed it out with me immediately, and it started with that opening screen, man, with the Scarlett Johansson looking character looking at you. And yeah. did you notice, by the way, uh, with the with the opening screen with, with the AI bot who sort of looks like Scarlett Johansson, that she, her eyes follow you if you move? Like it's like the Mona Lisa. If you if you yeah. go from side to side, it's in such a way it looks that like if, she's staring at you. It's no really you fucking are. freaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, it was. It's it, really scary, especially when she talks to you about like your progress in the game. <laughs> yeah, and oh she's like, God. "Oh, this is really a thing about your personality," and like blah blah blah. You're like, "Oh my God, this is." <laughs> there are more, plenty more interactions that she ha- like gives you when you turn the game on for like a while. So like when you come back to it, do you remember back in the day? I don't know if you remember back in the day, but you know about back in the day with, um, uh, uh, God, what's his name? Uh, is doing death stranding. Um, Kojima. What was it? Was it two or three where it, it detected your, your cartridge? Oh yeah. It, it it detected your uh, memory card. Yeah. It's Metal Gear Solid Two, I believe, against uh, Psycho Mantis. Yes. Yeah, and he makes your controller rumble, even though there's no like vibrate feature. Right. On, so on Kojima could do that back in the day, like twenty years ago. Like it, it's so obvious that they could do it now with David Cage, right? But like, it's yeah. still freaky as shit. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so freaky and politically, you know, we don't have to get into like total politics, but like 
you know, you bring in like immigration and the minorities and and so forth. You know, there, there there's so much politics going on. And actually, I think what I appreciate about the game is that it's not as heavy handed as I thought it would be. It, it's kind of a straight ahead story with a political overtones um, that that you can see for yourself. Again, I'm not super far into it, but. Uh, that 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 was kind of a cool aspect. Yeah, I, I really hope that there was gonna be like DLC or thing or continuation of the story, like after I finished it, because like, you know, there's still so much of the world that was like built on. They had like a really good foundation. Like the world building is really good. Mm-hmm. You felt really immersed in it, mm-hmm. and like it really showed you like everything about how society would be with all these androids walking around. Well, what fucked me up with Connor was that I didn't realize that I was going to be asked questions about the investigation. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing all of the QTEs, you know, of the physical investigation of the murders. And then they asked me about, like, did you do, did, you know, it was like, it's like Clue. Did you kill him with a knife in the billiards room yeah. or whatever? But I was like, I don't know. But but I, I have- aced every part of Connor because I love Connor so much. Like, I'm, I at a point, I was just like, if I could just save Connor, I don't care. Like, I just do anything for Connor. No, like, I love Connor, too. Everything. But I'm just yeah. saying, I didn't, I wasn't paying enough close attention but because of the emotional stakes of the relationship between Kara and the little girl, I was paying much closer attention and just, I just yeah, sort I of have that maternal instinct more. And so I was like, I'm going to save this little girl no matter what, no matter which car I have to break into and which house, you know, and I'm going to, we're not going to stay in the car. We're going to go to the abandoned house, but there's a weird robot there, but I'm going to calm him down to make sure he lies for us. And like, like, I just got it, you know, but that's what I think you're supposed to do. Like, I don't think you're supposed to be awesome with all three characters at all times. Mm-hmm. You know what you I mean? Tailor to a certain like certain characters so that, you know, it's your storyline. Like it's all like free, free for your interpretation. You can do anything in there. And like a lot of people, they, they take a lot of surveys in uh, Detroit become. Yes. Human. And I do all them. And yeah. It, they're, and the way they just figure you out, it just freaks you out. It's kind of like, like, this is really what society will be like. We have these androids. They're going to take in information about us, tell you about yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So so I've gone from stupidly dissing the game to being like, why wasn't this game of the year, essentially? <laughs> um, or at least up for game of the year. Uh <laughs> You know, I mean, the, 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 the facial animations are amazing. You know, the humans look human, the androids look androids, but also humans like it's, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I, again, I have to, I have to get further into it, but I'm glad that, that you talked a lot about it. And I have some other friends, by the way, also who are big fans of it, who are pushing me to play it. And, and I'm glad I'm, I'm finally getting into it, however long it takes. And w- whenever it happens, I'll get through it. You know, it doesn't really matter a game like that because it's a lot of QTEs and, you know, the the, the story is never going to get out of my brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, I still am thinking about that little girl right now. I think that's the problem <laughs> is I'm just so horrified that I'm going to kill one of the androids and or the little girl. And so I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God. 
just that fear that's just keeping you from like letting everything fall apart you're just like trying to stack the house of cards and keep it from falling (laughs) okay so let us go from there into e3 i think the direct line here is uh, cyberpunk yeah and cyberpunk it's gonna be big old game big old game it's gonna be big old game and again i'm the guy who resisted the witcher 3 forever and ethan you know mostly through ethan finally got me to play it and and now i'm so in love with it I put 160 hours in The Witcher 3. I've read seven Witcher books. I'm still listening to the audiobooks. I'm reading, like, I'm obsessed. I love The Witcher. Uh, everything about yeah. it, the, the books, the mythology. I'm going to play through The Witcher 3 again. I've got The Witcher 2 on my computer. I'm playing. Um, I, I want all the story, all the lore. I can't wait for the television show. I'm totally into it. Um, and uh, so the thing is, man, even though I've only uh, officially put a few hours into, uh, Detroit become human, I've commented, uh, cause I've been stre- I've been streaming it. I've commented that I don't care how complicated and how amazing cyberpunk uh, is or is supposedly going to be or we hope is going to be but but like the three to four hours i've already played in detroit become human is so deep and i wonder whether the got people doing you know from from project red who did the witcher and they're amazing doing cyberpunk i i wonder if it's actually going to be as deep whether it's going to be more like um deus ex where it, it, it's it, you know it, it, it's sort of the genre that you're playing but there's not a lot of like actually deep commentary going on uh from a cyberpunk standpoint because you can call your game cyberpunk and i've been critical of the fact that they call it cyberpunk you know you're already setting yourself up for failure because that's the name of the whole genre in cyberpunk Detroit Become Human and Cyberpunk like none other. And I've read William Gibson and Neil Stevenson and Snow Crash and all, you know, Neuromancer and all these books. And I'm telling you that uh, Detroit Become Human is totally cyberpunk in the way that like the Matrix is and Ghost in the Shell is. And I don't know whether cyberpunk is. So why don't we start with the because there's so much that came out of E3 and we haven't had a chance to catch up. What your feeling is about cyberpunk. Do you think it's just going to be an awesome game in that sort of genre? Do you think it'll have anything sort of interesting to say about the whole thing? I I really... I'm really hopeful for cyberpunk to like revolutionize how we see like RPG shooters. Cause you know, there's not many that have like that sort of like demographic besides like, you know, the big ones like borderlands and stuff like that. One that's completely like free to interpretation, like go in literally it's like a sandbox game, sort of story driven type thing. This is a very ambitious project and like, with all, all the hype that's going in, there's a lot of people saying, like, well, this could flop. <laughs> like, there's a lot of people that's just like, oh, it's going to come out and it might be underwhelming or, like, change around. But I, I think they can do it because from what they've shown us already and how underwrapped they've been with all the information they give out, there's a lot of, like, mechanical things that they've already done that they've shown us that it's going to be pretty good because... 
they said no loading screens. I don't know. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. It's probably going to be a very long well, loading God of War supposedly did it, right? So Yeah, that's true. Seamless, completely seamless world. Um and like there's going to be like no mission restarting. So like you have to live with your mistakes and stuff like that. So it's going to be completely building on on top of everything that you do. And I think that's for a first-person shooter game, I haven't seen anything like that because usually it's like you fail a mission, restart it. Um, I'm interested to see how they do their skill trees and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and like the leveling because in an RPG and like Borderlands, when you get to like post-game stuff, when you're like high level, it, it gets to the point where like it's everything's broken, <laughs> and that's why there's so many like different difficulties for Borderlands, but. I wonder if Cyberpunk will have like a new game plus or like for DLCs. I know they're making multiple Cyberpunk games. They're not making just uh, this one that's coming out next year. They're supposedly like have two other projects where they're working on too. Like they're on the mm-hmm. back burner, of course, mm-hmm. but like they're still working on other Cyberpunk games, maybe with the same genre, or the same world. I mean, the loading but, screen like, things is stupid because look. Mm-hmm. I- Again, you know, I'm a Horizon Zero Dawn guy. I mean, and so yeah. according to Ethan, even who doesn't even like the game, he said the base game of Horizon Zero Dawn was two thirds of the size of Skyrim. So then you add in uh, Frozen Wilds. So it's basically the size of Skyrim. You can literally run with Aloy uh, uh, running or on a mecha- robotic horse. The, the, the length and breadth of the entire map with no loading screens. But even if you do a sort of a bonfire to bonfire, you know, quick save jump, it takes like three seconds. You never think about it. Um, so that to me is not that big of a deal. I, I guess the big, the bigger deal is, is no, um, uh, um, transitions between world uh, walking and and conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Is is that is that is that what they're saying? Like with God of War, that like there's not the like here's now we're getting into like a semi cut scene with a conversation um, between people because. To me, that doesn't matter that much, but I, I guess that's important. The the with the low loading screen thing, like I guess what they're trying to do is just like, um, just go anywhere without having to stop for a little few seconds like that. Because they, just, I don't know, the GTA was like that where like there wasn't any loading screens because they loaded everything beforehand. So I'm. Um, Horizon had none. Like, I mean, if you yeah. didn't, if you didn't fast travel in Horizon, you would never see a loading screen ever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not that revolutionary. I mean, it's a cool feature, but that's you know, to me, that's not going to sell it. Yeah, there's plenty other selling points that Cyberpunk has. That's just an added bonus. Just say, hey, we don't have any loading screens after the first ones. <laughs> so they're like. We're giving you three to four ways of solving any given mission, which to me sounds overly ambitious. 
And with all of the bugs, especially in the DLC of The Witcher, which are unforgivable, and I can't, you know, because The Witcher is so beloved, and I love it too, and I love The Witcher 3, and I had no problems in the base game of The Witcher 3 with this whatsoever, but as soon as I started doing DLC with The Witcher 3, I started having major bugs where there were entire quest trees I could not complete um, because of the bugs. And they said, oh, those bugs were solved. And I said, well, yeah, well, they're solved if you start from scratch at the beginning of the DLC or start over the game or whatever. Um, And so, you know, the fact that they didn't solve that, it doesn't give me great hope that, you know, we're going to give you three to four ways of solving and winning every mission. Uh, You know, again, again, I am a converted Project Red guy. I love it. I love The Witcher 3. I love everything about The Witcher, but it is buggy as shit when you get to the DLC. And it's the fact that they are openly admitting that this is a much bigger challenge than The Witcher 3, but they're not a major company, man, in terms of how many people they have working on it and money and so forth. It does give me pause as to whether that's not that it's a lie, but that it, I, 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 I don't know. Do you, do you understand at least what, where I'm coming with this as someone who loves The Witcher, but 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 sees the flaw? I mean, look, The Witcher Three is nowhere near as flawed as Skyrim, which you know I criticize and bash all mm-hmm. the time. I couldn't even get through the opening mission of. Skyrim into like three different tries that did not happen with the Witcher it wasn't until like 120 hours in when I was getting into the DLC that I was having these problems but the fact that I had unresolved DLC problems that I found on forums online that everyone had and they said the only way to fix it was to restart your 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 character's you know mission in those DLCs or whatever it's not the worst thing in the world but it does give me pause about their program uh, uh, abilities and it does you know there, there were things they tried to pull off in the witcher 3 i guess i'm saying that that weren't as uh mind-blowing in terms of like choice um and do you think they can do it now with their next big project here with cyberpunk um you know the witcher 3 didn't have that many like bad things about it don't only thing I had a quarrel with was the way how my horse moved, um, <laughs> but like Roach. other than that, CD. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they're the Witcher's gonna be doing pretty. Well, they did extremely well. Uh, there's that Netflix show that's coming out for it. Um, yeah, the the game, the CD Project Red right now, they. They can't do anything wrong. <laughs> they they've got a lot of things under their belt. They've had a lot of accolades. Like they 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 can pull anything that they put their minds to off. Mm-hmm. We've we've seen them, you know, put heavy work in on these games for the past few years. So you know, I I'm feeling a little safe about Cyberpunk. Like there's still those, those doubts that I have about it. Can I um can I uh, can I challenge you on? Can I just cha- not challenge you? Can go I count? Yeah, go ahead. Let me challenge. Okay. So since (laughs) I've put in 160 hours on The Witcher, and by the way, the fact that I had bugginess, 
on some of the side missions of the DLC after 160 hours is such a small complaint because I was so in love with the world and the world building and the characters and everything about it. <laughs> the fact that like a secondary mission or quest in the DLC was buggy didn't bother me because I was just so in love with it at that point, you know? So I can't complain that much. And now I've gone on and I, I truly believe that the Witcher uh, universe is the greatest fantasy living universe outside of Tolkien. And in terms of living writers um, who are still writing these universes is by far the best and most interesting and coolest and interesting and best written and most interesting and developed fantasy universe out there is the Witcher. It's so clear. And that's why I think the Netflix series is for sure going to succeed if the casting is good outside of Henry Cavill because, dude, <laughs> as badass as, as Geralt is, what makes The Witcher great is everyone around Geralt. Is all yeah. the sorceresses and D- Delion or Dandelion, whatever you want to call him, and you know Yennefer and Ciri, and you know who's trying to protect, and like all the crazy nobles and insane kings and princes <laughs> and you know and lords and so forth. I mean, all the characters around Geralt is what makes it interesting. And, and it's yeah. almost self-conscious that way in the books too. Is it's like it, it's technically you're always with Geralt in The Witcher, but there's whole points where you go with other characters and other storylines that either like aren't directly with Geralt or aside to it or you know connected different ways. Like in Geralt himself, even knows that he's kind of like boring and straight ahead, and that's why he loves characters like Dandelion and Dienifer. He likes these sort of insane interesting side characters within the story because they're so interesting and they're so you know just uh, crazy and beautiful and brilliant and whatever and blah 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 it's it's absolutely perfect and my point is man that Project Red had at least as much to draw from as Tolkien I mean We've seen numerous interpretations of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Now, we're really going to get an interesting thing going on with uh, uh, Amazon because Amazon is saying they're do- they're focusing on the second age of Tolkien and their their initial series, which is well before Aragorn. It's like early, you know, maybe Gandalf is there. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but you know they're, they're 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 focusing on like guys. If you've seen the Lord of the Rings at the very beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, you know the last alliance of elves and man against Sauron and so forth and blah blah blah. That's the end of the second age so the second age is is everything that leads up to that so we're gonna get all sorts of crazy characters and timelines and in settings and storylines that we haven't gotten supposedly with the amazon version of tolkien which is great and they're now they're supposedly doing an mmo related to that and that's all very interesting you know all the ages of tolkien you know i mean if you just remember the part where you know gandalf's talking to the ants 
And, you know, Tree Beard says, Ah, oh, young Master Gandalf, you know, we know that the Ents are way older than Gandalf. And even though Gandalf's 5,000 years old, he's not that old compared to the rest of the planet and, you know, the Earth and everyone else around him. And so, the, the interesting stuff to do. So, you have all that world building. What I'm saying, man, is Project Red is trying to now build the cyberpunk from scratch and give us, like, three or four ways of solving all these missions with a brand new world building that has never been done and that they're not drawing from, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 the Polish author of The Witcher or, or Tolkien or, you know, someone who's already done all the world building for them. And now that I've read seven books in The Witcher series, like 3,000 pages, Mostly in audiobook form by Peter Kenny. God bless him, an English uh, actor, uh, award-winning actor. He does an amazing job with the audiobooks. And you're like, wow, everything with with Dandelion and and Yennefer and Ciri and Triss Marigold and and the Witcher and the shapeshifters and everything is all drawn from the books. And now they're trying to do it from scratch and to make it a bigger world and give us more options. I know I've been talking for a while. This is my point coming through here though man about my concern about them building a world from scratch after they've drawn from arguably a world that's as complicated and, and interesting as, as Tolkien well cyberpunk's not completely from scratch because it's based on that um the tabletop game the R- the RPG tabletop game cyberpunk 2020 well, it's also, you know, they've specifically said William Gibson, who is the guy who invented the term cyberspace um, and the cyberpunk genre. And they've specifically said Ghost in the Shell and all these and all these influences as well. If you look it up, they're drawing genre wise from them. But I'm talking about in terms of building the world, the, the way world. Detroit yeah. become human feels like and this is my comparison man, is is i can't believe i'm saying this but i never thought but playing detroit become human it made me question whether they're going to be able to pull this off in cyberpunk because detroit become human feels like they're drawing from literature of a completely original but really fleshed out world uh, a cyberpunk world so what's your what's your scenario like what's your best case scenario for how this plays out um, I think Cyberpunk comes out and, you know, Keanu Reeves, his character is supposedly like a guide throughout the entire game. It depends on how you interact with him and how that's going to like how he's going to tell you about, you know, is it Night City? I, I, think, I believe um, it's it just like the place that you're going to be at, like all the types of gangs mm-hmm. that are there, what kinds of trouble you can get into with like the law. Because I know that there's going to be a lot of illegal shit going on. <laughs> well, because Deus Ex yeah. pulls it off, by the way. And that's the thing. In the yeah. better Deus Ex games, they're able to pull this off. But the difference is, Deus Ex is specifically like the early Dragon Age and Mass Effect games, not a fully open, or even the early Witcher games, by the way, dude, which are one and two. <clears throat> are games that feel open world but are not truly open world they focus heavily on large environments that you can explore and go between but aren't fully open world in the way the witcher 3 or horizon or so forth are cyberpunk i uh they're trying to do a lot of like what what they're doing is 
they're like bringing to light some of the like modern day society's problems and like bringing it into how can I explain this? Um, they're handling things like gender equality in this because like you know there's uh, non-binary options for your character mm. and there's advertisements of like you know trans um like trans people in advertisements and like over sexualizing them and it's they they put that there purposely was like hey this is what the future be like if everybody just like starts going crazy with these android enhancements you know they're embracing a lot of like um like new ways people are like exploiting each other in this new world so like i think that the crime is gonna evolve how the story Mm -hmm. like goes on yeah we have to really see like what they do in the missions and like what the whole point of the game is because you know, you could say that it's a open world sandbox game, but like, what's the main goal we're striving for? And like, yeah, I wish we- they weren't doing that. Is where I'm going. I, I wish yeah. they were doing more like a Deus Ex or even early, uh, earlier, um, uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto, um, type games. Um, weren't doing a full, a total sandbox game. Because they're definitely going to nail the themes, and they're definitely going to nail the options, and they're definitely going to nail the choices, and all of that. But what I'm saying is, the fact that when I jumped into The Witcher 3, and got really involved in it, and the fact that Geralt knew all these people already, it made total sense. And now I'm going back and reading the books and being like, oh, this is where he met the shapeshifter. Here's where he met the horrible, you know, head of the Inquisition. Here's where he met the, you know, the Lord of this and that. It all made sense even before I went back and read the books because of the material and because of, uh, of the world building, they don't need that in order to be successful. Um, I just don't know if it's going to feel as, as deep, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. The most of, most of like, uh, the things that are happening with cyberpunk is they're just telling you that you have the freedom to do whatever. Okay. So uh, here's a comparison. So there were two very famous uh, actors uh, or pretty famous actors who showed up at E3 to promote uh, sort of as a surprise that they were going to be main characters or semi-main characters of the game. The one that got the most attention, of course, was Keanu Reeves with Cyberpunk, although we don't know how big of a character his is versus him promoting the character uh, that looks like exactly like Keanu Reeves in it. Who was the other big actor who showed up and then we saw the trailer that he presented was John Bernthal. That was for... um John Bernthal with his dog showed up and promoted fucking Ghost Recon Breakpoint where he is definitively the bad guy in that game. He's not just a character. He is definitively the big bad guy. And what's funny is, man, is the character he's playing as a former ghost who's turned bad guy is exactly the opposite of the Punisher. 
Yeah. He's he's the guy that the Punisher goes after in the Punisher series, the blacksmith, <laughs> or Ben yeah. Barnes's character. <laughs> right? I mean, he's playing the anti-Punisher character. And it just happened before that that I started getting obsessed with Ghost Recon Wildlands. And yeah. it's been a while now that I've played it, but I put almost 40 hours in Ghost Recon Wildlands. And dude, mm-hmm. you know me, I've been mostly been a defender of Ubisoft. I've been a, a, a critic, but I've mostly been a defender of Ubisoft on our podcasts as improving. You know, I, I, I did really, I, I liked Black Flag Assassin's Creed, and I really like Assassin's Creed Origins. I haven't played, um, uh, uh, fucking, uh, what's it called? Um, the Greek one. Odyssey. I haven't played Odyssey, but, but Assassin's Creed Origins is great. But you'd think a guy like me would be someone who, you know, would mostly spend his time playing a game like Assassin's Creed Origins because of the historical nature of it, and it's in Africa, and the cultural stuff, and blah, 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 huh? But you know what? Every Assassin's Creed game, I put in 10 to 20 hours, and that's what happens. If for whatever reason, the combination of the shooting and the teamwork and the drones and whatever, there was something very addictive about Ghost Recon Wildlands. Dude, I didn't even know Ghost Recon Wildlands existed. And when I told you about it, you were like, oh, yeah, that game is fucking great, and Breakpoint is going to be awesome. So what... Like, how how did I and many people miss Ghost Recon Wildlands as a cool game? And and do you think that Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint could be as cool as I think that maybe it could be with John Bernthal as the the bad guy? The Ghost Recon series, like, they took, like, a a different turn from the original games. And I think that's what... um, that's what turned off like the core fan base away. A lot of people, uh, when they play a Tom Clancy game, they're usually like playing Siege and like anything that's like esports related. The Ghost Recon, it's um, I think they're trying to make it more like looter shooter esque, and um, I'm fine with that. I, I really like that because like no, uh, Wildlands is not looter shooter. Is the thing they, yeah. They, they, Breakpoint, they're trying to like add stuff aspects to that. That's the thing. They're, they they want to um like just up the scale of what their original game was because they're adding like you know, camping aspects and like you know small RPG stuff. And what from what I can understand is it's refreshing, and like a lot of people just don't know they they see the name Ghost Recon and they think it's like. Another, just another game in the series like how a 2k19 and then a 2k20 will come out the next year i think it's like just like a refresh and like with the same engine and system but they're definitely going to be expanding on breakpoints it's going to be that whole island and there's going to be a bunch of different game modes that come out and like pushing the narrative for having one character be playable in all of their modes that's gonna uh, like bring in a lot of people to come in and be like, hey, I'm going to dedicate my time because no matter what I'll be playing, I'll still have a character. So. Well, I didn't realize that Ghost Recon was open world. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up with two versions of the Tom Clancy games. There was the Rainbow Six games, 
which essentially is what the division is where yeah. it's it's a tactical TV. team uh based um you know uh tactical combat uh strategic you know four to six person either with an ai or with uh, with with you know actual teammates uh with rainbow six you know work together to take down you know a lot of cover based stuff you know you go here i go here you know timing you know mission based almost like call of duty but more focused you know what i mean uh but then you also had or have i uh, maybe we have more of we'll see the um uh splinter cell which is like the you know the the kojima you know stealthy stuff right and so i I didn't realize that there was an open world like assassin's creed version of uh, i mean let's be honest ghost recon is rainbow six having sex with Assassin's Creed and Far Cry. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah. Because Siege's characters are in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, it's, Ghost Recon is literally like, hey, Far Cry and Assassin's Creed, we're gonna, we're gonna fuck you, and we're gonna have a baby, and it's gonna be the same thing with towers, and, you know, and, and areas really that we raid. unveil, yeah. and, you know, upgrades, and, you Raids. know. Exactly. <laughs> and all of those things. But, be, uh, but, but the thing that made it addictive to me was that, you know, other than Destiny, which is its own thing, I've been so sick of shooters for so long. Um, but the fact that Ghost Recon combined a third person and a first person shooter um, with the Assassin's Creed Far Cry open world, but with tactical a- aspects, and you had a team with you. I love that, you know, because yeah. I'm not a guy who plays multiplayer. I, and, you know, and, and they don't do it, it is like the early Modern Warfare games. People forget this. People think, oh, Modern Warfare uh, is just because, you know, big, you know, fireworks and, you know, uh, you didn't really have to do anything. You're just sort of like, you know, like walking through these missions or whatever. But no. Like, you had a team, and, like, they were actually helping you. You still had to do the bulk of the stuff, but you still had a team around you, and it was awesome. Yep. And Ghost Recon's cool because when you, with the use of the drone, um, where, where you actually, you know, and and your binoculars and, you know, and ordering your team around you, and now you have rebels, too. Like, you convert, like, I've made it my mission to save as many rebels as possible. So everywhere <laughs> I go where there's like a big fight against a horrible bad guy, like even if I don't call for the rebels, the rebels just show up and start firing and helping me because I've been saving every single rebels wherever I go. That's an amazing continuity thing, but it is reminiscent of the early modern warfare games where, you know, you are sort of working with a team of, you know, shooters with you oh, to very Level, right um but but in an open world whereas assassin's creed you're totally on your own far cry you're totally on your own mm-hmm. and maybe this is just me being a lonely player who doesn't like multiplayer but likes having a team around me the ghost recon totally spoke to me and the shooting mechanics are great the guns are great I was, this is the first time ever that I invested, you know, a small amount of money in buying, um, guns, 
uh, which I never would do in any other game. But there was a certain point in Ghost Recon where I was like eight hours in, and I was like, okay, I need a sniper rifle and I need an assault rifle that I can really get behind because this uh, this is going too slowly for me. And mm-hmm. so I just fucking did it. And it wasn't that Game. expensive. <laughs> and they even give you yeah. some credits to begin with. And I never do microtransactions, but I was like, all right, I'll get a couple of things here. And they look cool as shit. And I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm playing a fucking redheaded Asian female badass, which is exactly what I want to do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, a female character and they'll call me boss, you know, and they do what I say. And it's fucking great. And, and all of a sudden, 40 hours later, I've like taken down half of the drug dealers in Bolivia. Um, and yeah. then all of a sudden, John Bernthal shows up on the stage with his dog and says, yeah, we're doing all of this, but it's going to be better. And there's going to be some like Red Dead Redemption 2 stuff in it and so forth. Um, so am, am I just crazy? Is this part of my, uh, let me just ask you, do you think this is just part of our like addiction to Far Cry uh, and Assassin's Creed type games that just happens to be a shooter? And, and so we like it, or is there something more going on with Ghost Recon, and especially going forward uh, with uh, Breakpoint, which mm-hmm. you and I have talked about, Austin, we think yeah. is going to be a sleeper game of the year, maybe contender, <clears throat> excuse me, if it, it can lives definitely up. be one of the best ongoing games like I, with the rating and stuff like that i i got a lot of high hopes for it um i do like shooters because i didn't know I'm sorry i didn't know this was biased. the type of game that you'd even be interested in but as soon as i mentioned it to you you're like oh yeah this should be fire and i was like yeah i hope so yeah i um i was very hyped when i saw the reveal i step away i stepped away from ghost recon because like uh, i played like all the first few games i always really loved those and like People were telling me that they didn't like the new formula, but like what they got here is the makes of like something that could go be like an ongoing game for the next two years, three years even. It, you just keep releasing content for it, um, like free updates, even season passes. You know, Ubisoft loves their season passes with their DLC. This so is I'm the assuming- first game I've ever considered pre-ordering for a number of reasons, which we can bring up. But part of it is because of Ubisoft's reputation for coming through with this stuff. Mm-hmm. The most of their DLCs for my, microtransactions, they're like money grabs. But like for stuff like like ongoing games, I feel like they hit the nail on because they they provide for their community. Siege every year at their um like their tournaments, they show new characters off and then, you know, there's a lot of hype that's generated for them. Breakpoint can become a community where like they have big stream reveals like Destiny and like, you know, other ongoing games that just have like big old updates and big communities that keep in contact with each other. Their Reddit community is probably going to blow up. Um, There's just a lot of makes for like a great game here and people should really give it a chance because like, you know, Ubisoft the the Ghost Recon series kind of like fell off and it wasn't as mainstream anymore, but they have a chance to really take it right back and just, you know, have a really good PvE shooter, PvP shooter type game. And like the way the way that the game is set up, like they have a lot of things you can do with friends. And I think pushing like being able to play with your friends is going to be really good because like you know 
for shooters nowadays it's just all battle royales and stuff like that and there's only so much you can do like that there's a skill level either this is the ceiling you have to reach this or you're not good i i think the ubisoft model though is instructive in that and stuff like that <clears throat> open up they you know exactly what you're getting <clears throat> when you pay for something right you know exactly what you're getting not only that but with a game like Ghost Recon, there's so many ways to win missions and win the overall game that, for example, if you're really into uh, uh, stealthing with, uh, you know, um, small machine guns uh, with, you know, silencers and whatever and blah, 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 you're into this. Or if you're more into sniper rifles, you're into... But you know exactly what you're buying with this stuff. And most of the best guns in Ghost Recon you still get in the game, but there's a few you can buy. But, like, here's the thing, man, that no one's talking about, is that I bought Wildlands for, like, $8. Okay, so why should I feel bad about spending twelve to fifteen dollars on guns for this game that I really like, but I want to move more quickly through? And, and, you know, and I don't want to sniff like a fucking dog for all the guns. But I spent twelve to fifteen dollars, or even twenty. Now I've paid twenty eight dollars for Ghost Recon. I'm still paying less than half of the game, right? And so I can't blame Ubisoft. And unlike Destiny, sorry, Ethan, where you have to trade, you know, there's like four currency, uh, you know, modifiers where you buy diamonds so that you can buy crystals so that you can buy silver so that you can buy, you know what I'm talking about, man. You know, it's like a shell game where where they hide how much you're actually spending Mm -hmm. in Ubisoft games. They're like, here's how much you're spending in real dollars. And here's what you're getting. I, I like their business model of you can oh, buy the game at a discounted price and then like there's other stuff you can keep getting on top of like that just in case. This is where games like, should go. This mm-hmm. don't you agree with me? Do you agree with me? This yeah, is where games should go. Drop games yes. and then extra con- yeah. you, uh, content you pay for. Let I, me I'm pay less than sixty dollars for the game and then I'll drop a bunch of money to buy extra content. Yeah. Because if you hook me onto your game and I like it, I'm going to keep giving you my money. <laughs> well, and this goes to the Witcher thing, which is I should be furious that I'm having trouble completing the DLCs that I paid 20 or $30 for because of bugs. But I'm not because I didn't pay that much for the original game. I should have bought the complete edition to begin with, which would have only been $30, right? And it's 160 hours. I don't know what it is. I, I, I just, there, there's something about Ghost Recon that's very uh, meditative. I guess Assassin's Creed for me too ha- has that aspect. But Assassin's Creed, you're constantly, you know, uh, kind of uh, tense, you know, because again, you're on your own and it's all stealthy. I guess I'm just not a stealthy guy. And what I love about Ghost Recon is that I can go into enemy bases and try and be stealthy and take out this guard and that guard, 
But if shit hits the fan, I can order my teammates and the rebels to just attack and do drop a mortar thing, you know, drop mortars mm-hmm. from, and just and just and just shoot from the hip, yeah. you know. That I yeah. just have that option. You have so much like free range to do, kill it, do the mission how you want to, and like you can come up with fun ways to do stuff with your friends. And I think like that adds a whole new level of gameplay that not really other games have because it's just like, hey, you had to do this certain thing this way. But no, the Ghost Recon Wildlands is just like, hey, do you see that guy? You can kill him any sort of way you want. <laughs> do it. <laughs> just get it done. Yeah, and and the fact that I actually don't want to do sniper stuff in that game a lot just shows how engaging it is, you know? Like, I specifically am not interested in doing sniping in that game. I want to either get my guys to snipe and then go in, um, you know, or, you know, or find a tactical approach, bring the rebels in, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they, they give you a ton of options in terms of what you can get your teammates in, in the rebels to do. Um, my concern, man, and then we're going to end really quickly. Um, I appreciate having you on. We're going to end really quickly on the switch news. Um, but really quickly, my concern about breakpoint is, this whole, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 aspect of, like, getting injured and having to patch up your injury and, like, so forth, like, that to me will be tedious unless it engages in a story um, a- a aspect of things, which they're saying it will, but I-, I don't know what you think about all that. All right, you had, like, cut off for, like... No, I was just saying, I, I was saying, you know, the whole, like, you know, you have injuries and they carry over um, mm-hmm. thing, you know, almost like some Red Dead Redemption 2 kind of thing with with Breakpoint, with the new Ghost Recon. The, that, yeah. that, to me, is, is tedious unless you work it in, in sort of an interesting story way. I don't know how you feel about yeah. that. Um, I, I call that mobile game stuff. Yeah. Cause like, you know, <laughs> they're literally like, Hey, you need to add energy. You have to have energy to do this mission or you need to have, which they claim is not going to be the case. They claim it's, it's, um, it's, uh, what do they call it? Um, like it, it helps you, like it adds like a plus to you if you spend the time to do it but they're not going to force you to do it but i don't know if that's true yeah it all depends on like how the injuries affect your gameplay i really think that it's going to be like a mobile game type thing where it's like oh you can't do this right now because you're hurt or you don't have this enough of this resource right here which um i don't know how they could make that like (laughs) easier i guess you could say or like not annoying but it's it's just going to be weird to see how that part of the game. Well, what they're out. saying is that, that it's more going to be like motivating you to do non-combat experiential things. Like if you keep fighting with the injury, the game will be fine and you can survive. But we want to motivate you to do extra things. If that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of like in Assassin's Creed, you can just keep murdering people, right? Or you can be more subtle about it, you know, uh, and then take time away 
to, you know, get people off your trail, you know, in Assassin's Creed, it's like they, they give you the little exclamation mark when, you know, people are on your trail or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It could work for me. Austin, you know, the fact that it's, it's four player co-op out of the box it is awesome. And if I can get me, you and Ethan and someone else to do four player co-op out of the box, I will be thrilled. Yeah, bro. Uh, we're probably going to get like a bunch of our friends uh, from discord and like, since they're going to have like eight person raids and stuff, oh. we'll definitely be doing stuff like that. <laughs> That'd be something great to stream. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I am good enough to, 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 to hang. I mean, I'm not amazing, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm good enough to hang. What, what are you going to be playing? What system are you going to be playing it on? PC most likely. Yeah. Cause that's where all my friends are. With a are. controller? Uh, no, I play mouse keyboard. Mouse keyboard. Yeah. Players. You're like Ethan. I know. My here's my problem with mouse keyboard, man. And, and you know, going back and playing some of the Modern Warfare games and playing Witcher Two is that with the controller, everything is so much more cinematic because the movements are smoother. When you play mouse keyboard, everything is really bouncy all over the place. Like, yes, it's easier to uh, shoot people. Like. Obviously, that might be a, a peripherals thing, like your uh, mouse setting. Because, like, it for me, it feels much more fluid because I have complete freedom of where to go. Like with the thumbsticks, there's only so much you can like. With like, I know that it's personal preference nowadays. Like mouse keyboard and um, controllers both have their pros and cons. And like, I mean, some look, people are just if, if I got to play it. mouse keyboard to hang with you guys on breakpoint, like I will happily play mouse keyboard to, to hang with you guys. But I'm just mm-hmm. saying as someone who grew up with computers playing call of duty and games like that and doom and so forth on computers. And I get it. There is, there's something relaxing about just sitting on your couch with the controller. Um, that's yeah, that, is not replicable. But Mm -hmm. I I will be the first one to admit that any game you throw at me as a shooter, if I'm playing mouse keyboard, you can bump up the difficulty level at least one if I'm playing mouse keyboard. So if I can play Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare uh, on normal on a controller, I can play it on hard on mouse keyboard. Like I I, I, I get it. I, I, I agree with it. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I do watch other people's videos like ghost recon videos and, and a lot of people do play it on the PlayStation, you know, or the Xbox because of just that sort of relaxing experience. Um, and so that's, that's a whole different control. This, this will be a good, uh, uh, segue into our, our, our final topic here. And then we'll, we'll sign off with the, with the switch. Any final thoughts though? I, I, I knew we were going to just talk about a couple big E3 topics. I'm glad it was cyberpunk and, uh, and Breakpoint. anything else you want to mention really quickly. And we'll end with the switch announcement and then we'll sign off anything else other than the, the uh, I knew, you know, I knew we'd talk about cyberpunk and, and breakpoint. Uh, anything else you want to mention coming out of e3 we'll, we'll briefly talk uh, about the switch and then sign off all right um yeah i just i really hope that uh final fantasy <clears throat> breath, 
Final Fantasy. Oh, Squeenix! We need to talk about Squeenix. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Final Fantasy Seven is going to be only about Midgar. I'm interested to see how they handle other parts of Final Fantasy Seven, whether it be DLC or another game. Um, I, I'm very comfortable with Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy Seven leading the pre-orders for E3 because those are the two biggest games people wanted like this year. And like when they come out, they're both obviously going to set like some some pretty big numbers up. So. That I'm very hopeful for those two. Uh, um, moving into Nintendo, the Breath of the Wild sequel is in development, and I, I can't wait to see what that's going to be like because there's so much stuff they can do with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, like that was a huge shocker. You know, mm-hmm. e- Ethan acted like, "Oh my god, oh my god, Breath of the Wild sequel." Uh, like, come on, we knew they were going to tease that, and it could be yeah. still three years away. Yeah, <laughs> they right now Nintendo's in their spot where like they have a new platform, the Switch, and then they're making it more easily accessible with the Switch Lite, which is um, you know our new idol right now. Basically, this is such a great um, system, and I have I'm getting a lot of like DS vibes from back in the day. Okay, let's like, great transition. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. So you know there's me. Ethan accuses me of being a Nintendo hater, even though mm-hmm. I still have my DS Lite and still play it. Even though I still have my original 3DS and still play it. Ethan accused me of being a Nintendo hater, and all I've been saying, Austin, all I've been saying is make the Switch a little bit lighter, a little bit more rounded, a little bit more ergonomic. And a little bit nicer to hold. And the DS Lite, I'm sorry, the DS Lite, the Switch Lite to me seems to be doing all of those things. And I haven't been rubbing it in Ethan's face because I may, I've wanted all of those things. But I look at the people in the videos and the pictures holding the Switch Lite, and it looks like as people have been saying, the Vita 6.0 or 10.0 or whatever you want to call it, which the, the yeah. Vita was very comfortable to hold, man. If you hold the Vita, it was very comfortable to hold. The, in the, the, I don't think the Switch was that comfortable to hold. This looks to me, it's not about less money. It's not about anything else. To me, it looks lighter and more rounded and more comfortable to hold. And yeah. because I mostly <coughs> want to play the 2d games and the strategy games and the old nostalgia games and so forth is perfect for a person like me and i am going to be pre-ordering if i can afford it a switch Lite. what is your thought about the nintendo switch Lite? go all right so i really like how it's much more accessible to people who just want the handhelds because there are people who are like they only bought pokemon games and they're outright here saying like you're only on the go you don't care about the dock you can just grab one of these you can get a special designed one which is going to be great because nintendo's designs for their 3ds's are always fire like you can always find something personal that's to your liking and you know i found a whole bunch of like fan-made like photoshops of the switch light 
um i'm gonna send a couple of them to you like they got yeah. like kirby themed ones yeah. they've got a mario odyssey one like there's a tetris themed one super nintendo super famicom like there's so many things they can do with this and like limited edition switch lights are gonna be like collector's items they're gonna be just like sitting in people's nintendo collections on the shelves like how people have just n64 stacked up like this is something that like once a, this is one of those generational consoles that nintendo has done and i'm so glad that switch is just like getting so much support and like much more hardware refreshes and that's always good for our system uh i don't understand how why um they're lowering the like they're like optimizing their games for the switch light i really think that um they shouldn't like I'm not sure how this, like... That's bullshit. I don't know what's going on with that, like, how, like, um, the Switch Lite is, like, less powerful or something like that, because it should be just the same chip, just it's all connected to one thing. (laughs) Who cares? We know right now. Who cares if I'm playing Zelda in 720 instead of 980 or whatever? Yeah. Who cares? It's not that much of a difference because you're on handheld anyway. Who cares? (laughs) You barely notice it because of the screen. And I'm more interested in Link's Awakening than Breath of the Wild for me personally anyways. And I want to play the new fucking... Oh my god, dude. What I want to play is turn-based strategy in RPG games. That's what I want to play, okay? Mm-hmm. And you can play those just as nicely and amazingly on the smaller system. And that's what yeah. I want. And you know what? I borrowed Ethan's for a few months, and I did horribly with Breath of the Wild, and I did horribly with uh, what was the... Um, uh, not Octopath. Xenoblade. Xenoblade. I was horrible. Mm-hmm. Xenoblade was way too busy for me for a handheld, but I still played it 95%. Everything I played on it, I played handheld on it. And so I'm a handheld guy. I, I mean, I want to replace the 3DS. I mean, that's specifically what I want. And I think a lot of people want that, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and access to all the games. That, that are Switch exclusives, but also are at the store. I mean, I think they're going to double... They sold, what, 25, 30 million Switch units, probably, so far? I yeah, think they're going to double that within a year uh, with, this, with this new unit. What are your thoughts on that? Easily accessible. Comes out September 20th. Um, September is, you know, that weird release window where all those games are coming out. And when that comes out, there's going to be so much for people to buy come holiday time. And I think Switch lights are going to be like widely gifted around because it's so easy to just grab one. Like, they'll, I'm sure that they'll have like a lot in stock. There, there's going to be, um, you know, so many people just like, oh, I can finally grab a Switch now, or like the 3DS cultist um, that just like only had a 3DS and didn't grab a Switch yet. Um, they're going to grab a Switch Lite because like, it's the same price as their DS and it's it's all the stuff that they need. They don't need all the fancy yeah. uh, switching to the TV and stuff like that and detachable Joy-Con. Yeah. You can just they're buy like, another Joy-Con. Right. In, the, advertise, or in the, the coverage, they're like, you can't do A, B, C, D, and E with it. I'm like, I don't want to do any of those things anyways. I just want to yeah. sit in my fucking bed and play. I mean... Yeah. I... <laughs> 
Better battery life, you can't. Better battery life, dude. It's just the plastic's probably going to even better. That's the thing. I argued with Ethan ad nauseum that there was an imbalance in the weight in the original switch. It was too long, and because the screen was so heavy. It feels oblong because of the weight difference. In the weight difference, the right? And, yeah, yeah, and it was it was very heavy in the middle because of the screen. It and felt now, like the Joy Cons would like fall off. Now the Joy Cons would fall off, and I don't have to worry about the Joy Cons because it's built into it. Yeah, the DS is already an ergonomic device that yeah. you can just hold in your hands. Like I love the bread slice DS, the two DS. Oh, yeah. I have that, and I just hold on to it, and I just play my handheld games on it. The Switch Lite is probably gonna, since it's smaller and fits the hands a lot more snug, it's probably gonna be a lot more comfortable system than the actual Switch. So yeah, and I sent you the photo of my DS Lite from like two thousand eight seven or two thousand eight or whatever, which still works mm-hmm. amazingly. And I used to play Chrono Trigger and so forth. Yeah. And you were just like, "It's beautiful." I was like, "I know, it's beautiful." You just can tell. Like I sometimes I just hold it just how beautiful it is. You know, like the weight yeah. of it, and it, you just can see with this unit, it's just it's beautiful. And there's so many people who want a, a a handheld unit, my dude, who don't care about t- separating the Joy-Cons and plugging it into their TVs. I think Nintendo is going to murder the industry with this. Yeah. I think people who even own the Switch already are just going to grab a Switch Lite just so that yeah. you can have a portable Switch they can take with and them. And the other way. That's what I was thinking about the other yeah. day, dude, is some people are going to get the Switch Lite and be like, this is awesome, but I want the more professional experience i mean they're gonna mm-hmm. sell so many units both ways yeah uh, there's gonna be a lot of people buying in and then like buy like double dipping like they're gonna double dip mm-hmm. but like nintendo's supporting that mm-hmm. they're allowing you to put your nintendo account on both well, and people have, have already done that by the way you know where yeah. they get the zelda yeah, unit know. and they get the, the now they're gonna <laughs> have you know in november they're gonna have the they're they're nintendo's the thing is, you can't call Nintendo greedy. They're just smart. Mm-hmm. Nintendo says we're gonna sell in no- we're gonna sell this unit in September, and then November for the same price, we're gonna sell the special edition Pokemon version for the same price, but not till November. So you'll have a bunch of people buying both, right? Yeah. What do you think is uh, the state of the Pokemon? And then we'll I'll let you go. Right. So, as a longtime Pokemon fan, yes, and someone who's played like, yes. you know, I've dipped in the community for competitive wise. The game they straying away from their model of you can take your Pokemon from your previous games and move them up because like they're not allowing all Pokemon from previous gens into Sword and Shield, which is you know. The game has gotten to a point where there's so many Pokemon that it breaks the game if all of them are in there for the first game on the Switch. So they're just like, hey, calm down for a little bit. Um, Nintendo seems to be a little bit, uh, Game Freak seems to be a little bit lazy with their animations, you know, reusing stuff from the DS. Like they literally took one of the characters and just swapped his model out. And he looks like a reskin of an old character because he had the same animation and everything. But, you know, I think the love for the Pokemon games is just what's carrying me to buy it, buy it anyway. I still love the game, so I'm still going to get it. And, like, uh, Pokemon, they, the Let's Go 
was like, you know, this is what we can do. And then sort of, I mean, I have a Pokemon also, 3DS like case and I don't even play Pokemon. And I have people comment and be like, where'd you get that case? I was like, mm-hmm. I got on sale at Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the new yeah. Pokemon game will live up? Nah, I think it's not going to be widely received by the fan base. Like, I, I feel like it's going to be a Why great game. Why do you think game Zelda is, is the one that, that, I mean, we know Mario is always going to succeed. Mm-hmm. But why, why do you think Zelda, against all odds, you would think Zelda maybe wouldn't have survived this long and be this popular. And now there's so much excitement over Breath of the Wild 2, but even over the secondary game, which is a 2D game, which I'm excited for. Um, what do you think it is about uh, about about that property? And then we'll let you go. The Legend of Zelda is always going to be a ocarina of timeless classic. <laughs> and I hate that it's game. <laughs> <laughs> I hate 3D Zelda personally. I love 2D Zelda. Yeah, yeah. 2, 2D Zelda is really it's that's the pinnacle of like actual Legend of Zelda because yeah. you know Link to the Past is it, oh my goodness, such a great game, masterpiece. Um, you know, Legend of Zelda has held up like this is to, to the point where like you look for a dungeon puzzle solving RPG and everyone thinks Zelda immediately, like. You, there, it's such a oh fire emblem by the way is is what I was trying to get to before. Which, oh, yeah, three I, houses. I, I, fire emblem is going to play great on the light. Who cares? You don't yeah. need. Yeah, that's. I I want fire emblem badly. I I love all of the sort of indie, you know, like um, uh, uh, indie. Uh, strategy games which i'm blanking on right now which you know war whatever it's called um and uh, you know like all those games are going to play great on the on the on the light unit i mean there's not that many games that won't again xenoblade you know is among the few you joked with me about octopath and i was like yeah i think octopath would work great on on that unit don't you Mm -hmm. the octopath is a beautifully like well-designed game like from the audio and visuals but i mean you think it'll work on the the light right i think so yeah yeah it definitely the the light um they can't it can't be worse than what the switch was because it's usually it's just like the same shell basically it's just removing a few features so it i have no doubt in my mind that the switch light is going to be perfectly fine running games all right it's just that all right my dude well i really appreciate you being on i know we've had technical and other scheduling problems but it was awesome to have you on the awkward back on the awkward controllers we will get the three of us on as, as soon as possible to talk about things but i like to leave you with the final thought so if anything coming out of e3 post e3 since then now what's something we haven't brought up that you really w- quickly want to uh give some depth to uh, about um, that 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 that's coming up, or, or that that you know you're just curious about, or whatever that we we have not mentioned from Squeenix or or elsewhere. All right, um, Square Enix, the Marvel Avengers game. They said there's not going to have any loot boxes. Um, their updates are going to be free, which I 
I'm really hoping they stick to that because you know they they have the beta on PS4 and Sony they've got something mm-hmm. under the wraps with PS5 coming up too. So you know it's going to be very exciting to see what Square Enix and Sony are like plotting right now because you know they they've got a couple of projects coming out soon. Last of Us Two possibly next year after uh, Cyberpunk, which is what and Ethan said when I said I was going to sell my PlayStation so I could afford more, uh, so I could afford my uh, N- Nintendo Switch Lite and computer stuff. He was like, "What about Last of Us 2? I was like, "I I'll find a way to play it." <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we get a PC port. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously, yeah. seriously. All right, brother. Yeah. So, um, promote your, uh, I have it in the, so you're at Mr. Uh, X soy sauce on Twitter, Twitter, uh, and twitch.tv slash Mr. Underscores, uh, underscore soy sauce. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. You can find me on Twitch. I'm not streaming right now because of the uh, electrical situation in my house, but once Breakpoint comes out, we'll you know, get you we'll there. We that. will get you there. <laughs> we are going to be fucking going around murdering terrorists together. It'll be amazing. Yep. Yep. American imperialism. Hell yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, thank you so much, Austin, for being on. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, Bizzlecast listeners. That's been the Awkward Controllers with Austin, Mr. Soy Sauce. It's been awesome. Uh, We'll have him on with Ethan soon, talking more video games. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. May the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.